Hello, thank you for joining us for Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett. Welcome to the program. You can be very religious and die and leave this life and end up completely lost for eternity. It's a marketing tactic to recognise that your audience has some of what they need, but what you have to offer will give them all of what they need. It's an age-old tactic, as it turns out, used long before there were even marketing degrees. There were false teachers who held a captive audience in the city of Corinth, as outlined in the New Testament of the Bible. They proclaimed to have special knowledge to offer, and some of their audience was sucked right in. As we'll discover tonight, it was just a marketing ploy. Dr. Corbett continues in the Corinthian series and we'll see the difference between the real gospel and the marketed approach. Let's join him this now. This morning as Karen prayed for our state and nation, she prayed a prayer of forgiveness as well, which is very appropriate. And this morning as, as we look at God's word, we're going, I hope, to see that Paul in his first epistle was calling several of the Corinthians to repentance and sometimes when we hear that word repentance we think a bony fingered prophet wearing an old linen hessian cloak pointing the finger with a gruff voice and telling people that they're no good and they need to change so when I say this morning that as we open God's word I hope that by the power of the Holy Spirit he will bring some of us to repentance I'm not doing it as a bony fingered Hessian cloak wearing gruff voice prophet I'm doing it as a shepherd as a pastor who wants to see people fully walking face into the presence of God beholding Christ and the only way you can behold him is to turn your life toward him and walk toward him and hopefully that will become clearer as we look at this so we're continuing through Paul's epistles to the Corinthians. If you have your Bible, please turn to 2 Corinthians. We're going to, in a moment, be focusing in the first bit of chapter 4, but we will be picking it up in the last part of chapter 3 of 2 Corinthians. And the reason for that is because 1 Corinthians chapter 4 begins with a word, and the word is therefore. And if we don't see what's therefore we will be taking it possibly out of context. So I want us to see what it's there for. The Apostle Paul had been in Corinth for 18 months. He had preached to these people who were very, very religious. There's no doubt that these people were very religious. They were worshipping a plethora of gods and they had a god over their town called Aphrodite. And Aphrodite was the goddess of love. And along with Aphrodite, they had a host of other gods as well, Zeus, Apollo and, and the like, those, those Greco-Roman gods. So there's no doubt they were religious. And what we should see here is that being religious does not make you right with God. You can be very religious and die and leave this life and end up completely lost for eternity of all the creatures that god has created mankind is unique because we bear his image and a part of that is that we we the real us the essence of who we are will never cease to exist because the image of god the image of the god we are created in he will never cease to exist there are some people who have invented 
the idea that some people who reject God's offer of forgiveness and adoption and gracious forgiveness, when they die, they will poof, be gone. That's called annihilationism. They'll, they'll just be annihilated. They'll be, they won't even exist. But that is not what the Bible teaches. Because if it did, what does the Christian message matter? What does it matter? I mean, if we die and we just don't exist, we cease to exist, that could sound quite appealing to someone who's going through a fair bit of trial and trauma at the moment. But that's not the gospel. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus described that point of leaving this life and going into the next as choosing which road you will go on. You will either go on the narrow road, which is very straight, for you in this life, it will be quite difficult because broad is the other road and there's many people going down that road, Jesus said. And so the choice is yours. Choose the way that leads to life. But it is straight and it will be difficult. But it will be entrance fully paid for. It will be free. And as I mentioned before, whenever you hear that something's free, someone else is paid. It's not that it doesn't cost anything. It's that someone's paid the cost. So when we talk about salvation and being made right with God is a free gift. Please hear that. Behind that word free gift, there is a great price that someone else has paid. And Christ has paid for that. Paul came to Corinth, he preached for 18 months in this very religious, very pagan, very superstitious, very supernatural aware culture of Corinth. They knew there were demonic spirits. They knew there were angels. They knew the spiritual realm was real. They knew there was a Satan. They knew this. They were super aware of it. And yet when Paul preached in Corinth, the Christian message, and we read about this in Acts chapter 18, where people attempted to kill him numerous times. People suffered because they believed his message. And he kept going and he kept preaching that these gods, so-called gods, small g, are pointless. They are nothing. But there is one God. There is one Lord, there is one Spirit, and they are one. And this one God has sent his Son, who has paid the price in our place. And Paul calls him, in 1 Corinthians 15, the last Adam. In that case, because there's only two, some theologians refer to Jesus as the second Adam. And Paul says, this is the man who has conquered Satan, the devil. This is the one who commands the angels. This is the one who is Lord of all. This world is his. He is the God of this world. And by worshipping false gods, you are worshipping whom you think to be the gods of this world. But they are nothing. They themselves will be judged by Christ and condemned for eternity. And Paul was so convinced that by simply declaring the truth, this is not our truth, it's not a truth, it's the truth. That there is one God who has created heaven and earth and he has sent his one eternal son into this world 
to become a human being, to pay the price of what it's like to live as a human being, that we might have our sins put on him. He went into eternity at the moment of his physical death and in that realm of eternity where the past is there and the future is there, he paid for all sin, past and future in that moment and came back into our dimension of time three days later and rose from the dead. And Paul believed that by declaring that gospel, and that word gospel, the Greek word is euangelion and it means good news. Euangelion, it's where we get the word evangel, good news he believed that by declaring that message the holy spirit would take that message and break through the crud of people's hearts the veil he calls it a veil he says some people are so blind it's as if there is a thick curtain put in front of their eyes and they can't see the truth but i am convinced that if i preach the holy spirit will take my word and move that veil back so that they will see it. He was convinced of it. He paid a price. He was stoned. He was whipped. He was mocked. He was thrown out of town numerous times. And he said, it doesn't matter. As long as I get to preach, some will have the Holy Spirit remove that veil from their eyes and they will see the truth. And they did. Paul was absolutely convinced that two things could change the hardest heart. Absolutely convinced. Number one, the preaching of the gospel. Preaching the gospel. Not just having a coffee over it. Not just having a chat. Actually, the declaration of the truth has power. And Paul also believed that it is when the Holy Spirit takes that word and peels back that curtain that hinders spiritual eyes, hinders spiritual ears, and hinders hard hearts from becoming soft and open and ready to receive what he, the Spirit of God, wants to say to them by the preaching of the gospel. By the preaching of the gospel. So we pick it up in verses 15 and 16 of chapter 3, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. Yet... To this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. Whose hearts? Paul's talking about the Jews. Note this, the Jews. Paul went from town to town with the mission of reaching Gentiles, but he couldn't help but want to reach his own people, the Jews. He says this in Romans chapter 19 11. He says, my heart goes out to my fellow kin, my fellow people. If I could die in their place and go to hell for eternity so that they could live forever in heaven with God, I would. But I can't. But that's how much I want them to come to know Christ. Who had the veil over their eyes when the law of Moses was read? The Jews, his fellow countrymen. But when one turns to the Lord... The veil is removed. Paul was absolutely convinced of this. Why? Because he had seen it hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. Hundreds of times. I've seen Will Graham, the grandson of Billy Graham, preach maybe 20 times. And I have never ceased to be amazed that when he preaches the gospel, 
people who came in like this leave with tears streaming down their face saying, why hadn't anyone ever told me this before? How come it's only now that I discovered the truth that God loves me, that he sent his son and died for me? This is the greatest news I've ever heard. I was ready to go out and kill myself. When I went to the Billy Graham Library in Charlotte, North Carolina, they have glass showcases where people came in with pistols ready to commit suicide after going, the thinking was, I'll go to this meeting, I'll satisfy my friend, then I'm going to go out and I'm going to blow my brains out. And they've got these glass cases with these pistols and knives and things that people are going to use to commit suicide who came to the meetings. Uh, Rob Quinn, you told me of someone who came to the Sydney event when they came with a gun. People come with all these evil intentions for whatever and then the gospel and the Holy Spirit gets them and their lives are transformed. My friend, I've told you about my friend Peter who lives in Shepparton. Uh, He's the the national uh, chairman of uh, Prison Fellowship and he's just come back from Kenya and he said the prisons are completely transformed by their openness to the gospel being preached in the prisons. These hardened murderers and criminals and rapists have had their hearts changed because of the same two things that the Apostle Paul said could change a hard heart. The preaching of the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit that is activated, dare I say, please hear me, by the fervent prayers of God's people. And we all, we all, believers in Christ with un veiled face because why because the holy spirit has done something in each of our hearts and maybe you're here today and maybe you're watching now online and you've never had the veil removed from your heart you can you can at the end of this time if you want to know more information i want you to email kate at lagana.org and let us get in touch with you because we want to help you And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image. What image? When we talk about mankind being created in the image of God, we also talk about Genesis chapter 3, which says that that first two people turned their backs on God and no longer beheld God. And the image went dark. And now the Apostle Paul says, but now the veil's been removed and we turn our face toward him and we behold him with unveiled face and we're now being changed from that dark image into the image that we were always created to be. And that image looks exactly like Jesus Christ. Exactly like Jesus Christ. You want to become the woman that you are created to be? Behold Christ in the Word of God. You want to become the man that you've been created to be? I don't care if you're a fishing, hunting, moose riding man with a beard or if you're someone like me who likes to knit and crochet. I don't care. You can be the man that you were created to be by beholding Christ. I got an A for knitting in year 11. Just note that. Actually, it might have been year 9. Anyway, as we behold Christ, from one degree to the next, we become like Christ, the true image of God. 
Paul says, to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So we have the gospel and we have the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul says, now we're in chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, you see, the therefore wouldn't have made sense if we hadn't have just read that closing part of chapter 3. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. Do you get that? We do not lose heart. Why do we not lose heart? Because even though there are so many things that we might find discouraging because we share with people, we tell people that God loves them. We tell people that you can have the kind of life that you were created to have and they might look at you like you're a religious nutter. Or the thing I'm hearing now on the media is you're a right-wing fanatic for believing that old thing called Christianity. And that could be, dare I say it, a little bit discouraging if that's what you're facing all the time. But Paul says, but know this. That when we preach, when we pray, and when the Holy Spirit does what he and only he can do, we do not have a reason to be discouraged. Because the Holy Spirit's transforming lives. The Holy Spirit is transforming lives. Right now, the Holy Spirit is working in several hearts right here in this building. In ways that I might not never know. I might never know what God's doing in your life. And Paul is going to contrast his approach to preaching and teaching the Christian message with the false teachers, the ones who called themselves apostles, the ones who said Paul is not an apostle. He's the least of apostles if he's ever an apostle at all. And Paul is going to contrast what they teach with what he preaches. Because what they preach is what makes money for them they preach what people want to hear they preach a message and christianize it but then they're lying to people they're telling people things that will damn them for eternity if that's what people put their trust in they'll tell people what they want to hear they'll tell it in a very dramatic way in a way that sounds appealing but Paul says this, but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. Referring to the false teachers, we refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. You see, Paul's not going to tell people that if you become a Christian, everything's going to be easy from that point. Why wouldn't he tell anyone that? Because it's true. It's not going to be easy. And why wouldn't it be easy? Because there's a part of us who we all want to be liked. We all want to be loved. We all want to have, I don't know how many Instagram followers you have. I don't, look, I don't want to brag. But of the seven Instagram followers that I've got, I know, I'll autographs later. 
There are some people that think their human worth is on the basis of how many Instagram followers they have. And can I tell you, based on what I've seen by those people who have millions and millions and millions of Instagram followers, it's sad. And it's sad when someone with 24 million Instagram followers, and there are some, says something and people go, well, it must be true, they have 24 million Instagram followers. Who am I to argue? And Paul says, we're not going to tell people what they want to hear just because it'll get us popularity. We're not going to use underhanded ways. We're not going to be cunning and manipulative with people. Rather than being discouraged that we preach by Sunday, by Sunday, by Sunday, we hope and long for our valley, the people of our valley, to want to come to know Christ. Do you know how much it costs to walk in this church front door on a Sunday? The answer is, in my mind, nothing. Absolutely nothing. Do you know what it costs? To hear what we are saying and what we do when we worship the God of the universe who created heaven and earth and created you. What does it cost to join in that? Nothing. Nothing. Do you know what it costs to accept what we say? That you should surrender your life to Christ and turn to him and give your life to him and accept his forgiveness? Do you know what it's going to cost? Everything. 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 And if our gospel is veiled, Paul says, it is veiled to those who are perishing, who would love this world more than the truth, John chapter 1 says. In their case, the God of this world. And I'm just going to tell you, that expression, it's the only place Paul uses that expression, and I reckon he's being sarcastic, heavily sarcastic mocking Satan. And I'll tell you why I think that in a moment. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the what? The image of God. You see, we're created in the image of God. Now we know what he looks like. He looks like Jesus Christ. We're created in the image of God. Jesus Christ. He is the image of God. He's not created. He doesn't bear the image of God like we do. He is the image of God. You want to become the woman that you long to be? Behold Christ. You want to become the man you long to be? Behold Christ. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. We are here, the pastoral team, the elders, home group leaders, the care team, the staff. We are here to serve you. We are servants. We are servants. If you've ever had an email from me, and only one person has asked me, and that was Rob Quinn, I think, you asked me, why do you put the initials VDM after your name? 
He's the only one who's ever asked. So if you want to know why I put VDM after my name, does anyone want to know? Ask Rob Quinn. <laughs> Gee, I hope you remember now because you could have people come up and ask. Three Latin words. The Apostle Paul had been accused by the false teachers of not preaching the whole gospel, the whole truth. Ah, oh, yeah. Paul knows this much, but we know the real thing. We know more than Paul knows. We know stuff Paul doesn't know. If you really want the deep truth, you've got to listen to us. So let's just take up the offering and then I'll continue. That seemed to be the approach of these false teachers. They were teaching what we might call a man-centred gospel. Puts man right in the middle of it. Tells them what they want to hear. Tells the audience what they want to hear. That told people what they wanted to hear. So these false teachers claimed that they had an enlightenment that the Apostle Paul didn't have. And listen to us, we'll give it to you. Do what we say and we'll give it to you. And it won't perhaps come as any surprise to you that there were sexual overtones to what they had to say. These false teachers claimed to have the secrets to finding deep knowledge. Deep knowledge. These false teachers claim to be able to reveal the secrets of finding fame and fortune. How to be liked by everyone. How to do it. You see, we've seen Paul refer to the Jews. When the law of Moses is read, he's referring to the Jews. What these false teachers were doing was appealing to Paul's three audiences, the Jews, the Greeks and the Romans by telling them what they wanted to hear. But it was a lie. It was just lies. This appealed to the Jews, the Greeks, the Romans, because what did Jews really want? What was their quest? What did every Jew seek? Every Jew, every, the quest of every Jew was to seek what they referred to as light. If you read the Psalms, you read the prophets, for example, this is Isaiah chapter 2, verse 5. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. That's what every Jew is supposed to seek, to be in the light. No surprise then why John in John chapter 1 describes the light the way he does. In Isaiah 50, he goes on and he says, Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the voice of his servant? Let him who walks in darkness. And has no light. Trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. Why? Because that's where you'll find light. Every Jew sought for light. If you know anything about Greek history, you know that the great philosophers were all Greek. S.P.A. Socrates, Plato and Aristotle. The fathers of the whole science of philosophy and what did every Greek quest, what was it about? What did they pursue? They pursued knowledge, knowledge which they called wisdom, which is what the word philosophy means. Philo means love, sophie means wisdom. So a name like Sophia means wisdom. Did you know that? You did. So you are wisdom. And you are. You're a wise lady. You bear your name well. Philosophy, the love of wisdom. The love of wisdom. Did you know that? 
He did. Well, there you go. You're a young embodiment of wisdom as well. So that's what the Greeks pursued. What did the Romans pursue? For the what of Rome? For the glory of Rome. Did someone say glory? But it is power. It's the same. It's the power, it's, power, it's might, it's the glory of Rome. Every, the quest of every Roman was to seek glory. Glory, fame, power, the power that comes from that. Glory. Listen to what Paul says in responding to these false teachers, telling these three categories of people what they wanted to hear. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in where the face of Jesus Christ. Did you get that? Paul says, you're looking for light. I'll tell you where to find it. You're looking for knowledge. I'll tell you where to find it. You're looking for glory. I'll tell you where to find it. You'll find it in the face of Jesus Christ. Turn to him. What does that expression turn to him mean? It's that word metanoia, which means repent. You're going this way. God's over there and you've turned your back on him. And he, Paul, now says, turn to the Lord. That's the idea of repentance. Turn to the Lord. Look full in his face. We sing that song. The deepest longing, the deepest longings of your soul, your mind. Some people just crave knowledge. And your emotions, to be loved, to be liked, to be affirmed. The deepest longings of your soul, that ache that you have, that emptiness that no pill can numb, no glass can drown, no needle can take it away, no bed can remove it. Only turning to Jesus Christ. Why are you running so fast and so far away from him? I'm calling you to stop and turn to him now. Turn to him. Don't make Jesus just a part of your Sunday, but make him a part of your every day. Every hour, every minute, we should behold Christ. I'm going to come back and I'm going to invite you to behold Christ. And now, Father, I pray for all those who are joining with us now, all those who are here. And God, you have been moving by your Spirit in ways that I may never know. But we are in a moment when people can exchange in what the great theologians call the great exchange. They can hand over their guilt and their shame, their sin, and give it to Christ who reaches out through eternity to take our guilt, our shame, our sin and put it on the cross that happened 2,000 or so years ago in earth time and deal with it. And we can know the gift of forgiveness right now. It's not a special magic prayer. 
It's just a cry from your heart. Please, God, forgive me. Help me to live the new life that you want me to live. You pray a prayer like that, I guarantee you, tomorrow will look different. And it will begin today. And Father, I pray for each of us that we, Lord, would represent you well. Because we behold Christ face to face. May we, like Moses, reflect the glory of Christ, the light of Christ and the knowledge of Christ. May people ask us to share that knowledge. Why are you different? And may we be ready to answer. I pray. May we know the love of God the Father, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus name. If you'd like to listen again or you've missed a program, you'll find an archive of all previous episodes on our website, findingtruthmatters.org. For tonight's program, select what all people are looking for from our online store. You can also find the podcast by subscribing to Finding Truth Matters on iTunes, Spotify or SoundCloud. As we've heard tonight, the preaching of the gospel and the movement of the Holy Spirit is what changes a hardened heart. Jesus Christ is the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. More from Dr. Corbett next week. Dr. Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. We look forward to joining you again same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.